When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Second down and five. Murray tries to snap. Oh, yeah. It's intercepted. Cloudy. 20, 15, 10, 5. Hello. Mr. Cloudy. Touchdown. Seahawks. Jadevian Clowney stretched out, reached his arm almost to the ceiling here at State Farm Stadium, pulled the ball down on a screen pass, and took it about 30 yards for six. Seattle goes on top now by a score of nine to nothing. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here as always, along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, do you know why we played a Jadavion Clowney highlight to start the show? Well, my guess is he signed a contract somewhere, but uh, I don't know where. I know it sounded like Seattle was his uh, the team that was going to maybe try to sign him back, but I have been busy with other things this morning uh, related to the... Um, all the things that were that is going with my kids, with uh, with school going back uh, starting this week, I'm now like my mind has gone into like uh, my kids each need their own space in the house to have classroom, oh. you know, to- right? Yeah, uh, and that's so, complicated. Yeah, and I've got this long email from the school that is has all these pieces to it, and and how life is going to be uh, for the spring semester here or the fourth quarter, whatever you want to call it for. For uh, all of you in Minnesota out there, I know you guys are out of school now, and you know probably go. I would assume go back to school sort of after the spring breaks, uh, which are, which are coming up. But here we're a little bit earlier, so we're already back to school this week, and now all these plans are in place. Uh, it's going to be really interesting how we uh, try to try to tackle this whole uh, kids being home all the time and, and trying to get an education too. That uh, you know maybe here in Omaha, a little bit ahead of uh, you know Minnesota from that department as far as up here uh, in, in a couple days. So that means that I should have made up some moves that happened and been like, Sage, can you believe they traded Cousins for Deshaun Watson? Uh, no. Oh, they did? Oh. <laughs> yeah, amazing move. Great, great uh, guy to rebuild around. No, unfortunately. So, J- so Jadavian Clowney, no, what, he what did, happened to He didn't this sign either. Uh, but I wrote about him along with some others at scorenorth.com in an article that is titled Five Splash Moves the Vikings Can Still Make. Because I get the sense, Sage, that they didn't just move on from Everson Griffin or he moved on from them and sort of throw up their hands and say, well, boys, 
I guess that's it for us here in Minnesota. (laughs) I mean, so I I would guess they're headed into this week looking for ways that they can replace players they've lost with someone better still, even though they are short on salary cap space. And that begins with someone like Jadavion Clowney. Now, fundamentally, it is still hard to do. They have $14 million in cap space, and that's probably one year of Jadavian Clowney, but we know the Vikings can find ways to sign players to multi-year deals, lower cap hits in the first year, deal with it down the road. That's kind of how we got here, um, but they're still doing that if you look at Michael Pierce's contract. And if they want to be good in 2020... They're going to have to add more talent, especially on the defensive line without Everson Griffin. So there is still a case to go after someone who is a big star like Jadavion Clowney, who can make a huge difference right away and put a lot of your cap space there and try to fill in other spaces. Would you think that that would be a good approach for the Vikings? Well, they have to have a, a really good player at that position, you know, good to, to great, you know, having pass rushers uh, in the NFL is is really really important and to have two and in particular along that that you know what is what is the quarterback's left side and the right side of the defense that right defense in that position that's a premier premier position uh, in this sport and you know a good offense has to have a good quarterback they have to have generally a good offensive line where in defense there's certain positions they have they cannot have like a, that be a weak spot and that right defensive end uh, that is a premier position to have. And if they don't really have that right now, they need to sign somebody or probably use them. You know, maybe this might be the first uh, pick, uh, the first round draft pick that the Vikings use. They might think that is the most important position that they that they have to fill right now. And you could even really go both directions where you sign someone to a short-term contract and and maybe if Clowney isn't getting the type of attention he thinks he deserves, then he could do something like come to the Vikings on a one-year deal. That's what Sheldon Richardson did just uh, two years ago. In 2018, Richardson felt like he wasn't getting the type of offers that he wanted, so you go to a great defensive team to play with good players around you, played next to Linval Joseph, and it worked out for Sheldon. He got his big contract with Cleveland. And it sounds like Clowney isn't getting the type of uh, attention that he thinks he deserves. And last year, he didn't put up quite the sack numbers, but we know this, Sage. Sack numbers could be a little bit deceiving. So at his top, he's like a 9 or 10 sack guy. But last year, he was still putting pressure on it. In fact, even a better rate than he was in 2018, but he just didn't get the sacks. He had 58 pressures last season in only 482 pass rush snaps, which is about around the range of a Everson Griffin. And the other part of this, too, that would make the case for Clowney is that you need the attention uh, on that side to help Daniil Hunter because that's what Everson Griffin has drawn for so long. Yes, that that position is extremely important. And I think what Jadavian Clowney is, his numbers aren't always great. Uh, but he does. He's one of those guys the offense has to pay attention to, and they have to put resources to. You know, you might have a pass pattern. You say, okay, normally we use this protection uh, uh, that sort of helps out our center, or maybe slides a certain way. This week we're going to either slide uh, to the left side there to to help out with this guy who's just he's such a freaky athlete that you, you need to add extra help to him, or maybe it's a running back with the chip where you're going to put. You have to sort of game plan for. And you can be successful in taking away maybe 
uh, you know, the best player in another team, a guy like Clowney, but then other guys start peeking up because they have, you know, more one-on-one blocks. And so he does take attention in teams with the game plan. You know, he's sort of, to me, reminds me of Julius Peppers in some way. Different in the sense Peppers was, I think, a thicker, stronger, more stout against the run guy. Um, and he was, I think, more durable for the most part. But he could sort of just take over a game. Yeah. Like he has yeah. that game wrecker thing. And in particular, like in the playoffs, it's nice to have one of those game wrecker type guys. And so teams that are looking to make a run in the playoffs to have a guy who can go, okay, he's only been maybe averaged up and down throughout the season, but that can actually take over a playoff game in some ways. Clowney's one of the the few guys that can do that. Yeah, and I think we've seen how important it is for the Vikings in the Mike Zimmer era to be able to create pressure with four rushers. That they do not blitz all that often, except for on third downs where you start to see double-A gap stuff, and then he introduced zone blitzes uh, maybe two years ago. 2018, it was one of the tweaks that they made after struggling a little bit uh, on the defensive side. But for the most part, first and second down, they have been able to effectively create pressure for a long time. And as much as I like what Afadi Adenabo did last year, it's hard to see him stepping right in and then just doing the same thing and drawing the same amount of attention as Everson Griffin. This would make sense from that perspective. And I also think, Sage, that it makes everybody on the back end better when you can create this much pressure with your front four. And especially when you have someone like Clowney who can move around. So you have Michael Pierce at the nose tackle position, but you can move Clowney inside. Or you can move him to the wide spot, like way outside, if he's going to pass rush and send blitzers and things like that. His versatility makes it make sense. The only question here is, is not really of the fit or is he a good player. It's... What would you do with the rest of the roster if you signed someone that's as expensive as Jadavian Clown? And that's the thing, you know, that there's the draft, of course, which is the inexpensive guys, and they have sort of an allotment for that. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at this Vikings defense, and you know, generally, you know, corners in this defense and just corners in general, they a lot of times are a premium type guys, defensive ends. Uh, the nose tackle position, those are premium players because they're just, they're just harder to find. And those happen to be a lot of holes that the Vikings have currently. I mean, it's sort of a little bit of a scary place to be. And it's like, you know, should, where can you find, sign one expensive guy then try to fill the other three or four gaps possibly with, with drafted guys? Um, there's, there's, this defense needs needs players, needs, needs some good players at important positions. And so, yeah, I mean, adding Clowney is huge, but they, they need corners too. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's only so many, uh, dollars in this salary cap and, and the Vikings are there. I think they're in a really, a really tough spot right now. All right. So I have five of these splash moves. That's the first one. And I want you to just vote yay or nay on each move. So that's the first one. Jadavian Clowney, yay or nay? Um, if you can get him for a one year deal, um, no, I, I actually I think uh, we we need to have somebody for maybe a longer period. I don't think you you put all the the dollars into just this year, and you know try to get somebody, uh, you know one of the current guys, and and get they're going to get their shot this year, and that's just going to be the thing, and and maybe we'll find a dime in the rough of somebody that doesn't get uh, you know those reps. But I think I'd rather try to spread my resources out because this team does need a whole bunch of starters. Okay, I tend to agree on that, that there is a case to have Jadavion Clowney, but if you have to put that much money into one player, and plus, you think about who your defensive ends were in the past, um, or even currently with Daniil Hunter, 
Mike Zimmer's been able to develop them. Uh, Everson Griffin's a fourth-round pick who's a rotational rusher. He turns into a four-time Pro Bowler. Daniel Hunter, one of the best players in the NFL. You should believe in your ability to do that, as we saw uh, Afadi Adenabo become a good player. Stephen Weatherly got $6 million a year to go to another team because he was developed so well here in Minnesota. So they should be able to do that. It's just that you're not going to easily replace Everson Griffin. But I tend to agree that that one would probably be a pass for me. All right, next move. We've talked about this a few times. We've kicked it around a little bit, but trading for Trent Williams. No one is trading for Trent Williams, which tells me that the price is not going to be super high at this point. Maybe a third-round pick. You got two of them. Maybe it's not even that because Trent Williams does not want to play for Washington and he wants a lucrative extension. You could lower the cap hit for the first year, take a bigger cap hit later on, He is currently 31 years old, so you're taking that risk. He has had some injuries in the past, but has also sat out a year to be able to heal up. And, of course, I think this would go along with them moving on from Riley Reef. So, you know, I like this from the perspective, Sage, that if you're going to win with Kirk Cousins, you have to protect him. And this guy, even if he's on the older side, has been one of the best in the NFL at pass protection for his entire career. He's a he's a great player. There's only so many you know really really good you know left tackles and and again uh, you know how much his salary you know, they're going to have to give up. I would think um, somewhat of a higher pick. I, I don't think it's you can get him for a fifth or sixth rounder uh, at least not yet. Uh, so you know the, the question is how many dollars do the Vikings have? And of course he's probably going to want I would think some sort of new contract, which would be a I would think a big contract. And this is probably the last contract of his career, so he's really looking to probably get every dollar he can. So I just think it's going to be that just be a really, really hard thing to pull off. Uh, listen, this team needs some some really good players added to it. I just don't know if the Vikings have the the salary cap room to you know make big big uh, trades or sign, signings like this. So let me work this out for you, because I think it's not quite as bad with Trent Williams as it sounds. Because with a Jadavion Clowney signing, you don't have anyone at that position to create any more cap space. But in this one, you can move on from Riley Reef to improve significantly by plugging in Trent Williams. And Reef creates $8 million in cap space on his own. So if you were taking on Williams and then signing him to extension, you could sign him to an extension that has a, a fairly decent first-year cap hit. And maybe you're only adding to your cap by $6 million in the first year or $4 million in the first year. And then, of course, yeah, you're kicking the can down the road. But that's exactly what this team has done with everything, even their restructure for Daniel Hunter recently. And even with Kirk Cousins' contract, they're kicking it down the road. So if they're going to do that with other deals, then it, you know, they could manage it with this one as well. Yeah, I'm just. I think I'm at the point where the kicking the can down the road has left us in the spot where this team's in, in need of four premier position starters on mm-hmm. the you know the the defensive side of the football. That's that's to me too much kicking the can down the road. And at some time, at some point, you have to sort of pay for that. Right. And I, you know, I think that just to continue to kick it is just going to make the matters worse. And at some point, you sort of have to put an end to it and hopefully find a guy that, again that's younger or somewhere in the draft. And maybe some random sixth rounder. You, you go after a freak athlete that's from some smaller school or something that didn't get, uh, you know, wasn't a combine guy or something. Ends up being a good player. You, you, you know, you have to try to find some diamonds in the rough this year. Whether it's cheaper in free agency, some guy who did not fit well in someone else's scheme, and and you think he'd fit well in this scheme, something like that. But um, it's just a, it's hard to give up that much again. And again, I, I'm just not a big kicking the can down the road type of guy. I know it, you know Pittsburgh did for a long, long time, and I feel like it sort of all came up to, to bite him in the tail, 
these these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and uh, that's why I have been looking more at a 2021 type of approach. I'm not sure that they are, though, and, I, and I'm not sure that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are really in a position to say 2021 or 2022, that's our year. And 2022 is when Kirk Cousins has a $45 million cap hit, and even if they go to a 17-game schedule, that is still taking up about 15% of the salary cap. And and that's where it's hard to figure would, this out. Would you think would you think that the Stefan Diggs deal of um, going out and getting a whole bunch of draft picks? All right, for like user, you know, you, you hate to not have a really good player on your team, but you did need a whole bunch of draft picks. Did that make you think that this team should be and needs to be going younger? But not, and 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 on the same element, like they they're trying to sort of win now at the same time, and it's just a hard sort of balance to, you know, just trying to figure out what that is, I think. I think yeah. it's sort of media people. We're trying to, what ex- I mean, I did a couple of radio shows, uh, you know, last late last week, and, like, what exactly are the Vikings doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't really know because, you know, I'm not a GM, never been a GM, but I'm trying to figure it out because they've, you know, extended the quarterback. They think he's the guy, which means they, they think this window can be pushed further, but at the same time just gave up a really good player to get draft picks, which is more of a for-the-future thing. It's hard for guys to come in and play right away, and maybe get one or two. But it's hard to have you know five guys come in as rookies and start, and they definitely have some holes to fill. Well, what you're hitting on is exactly right, and exactly how I feel too. Is trying to figure out which direction you're going when you trade away one of your best players in his prime, even if he's not happy. When you move on from that type of guy, it starts to make us think, okay, well, you're going to rebuild. But when you sign Cousins to an extension, that says you're trying to win now and if if you had nobody at the quarterback position and Kirk Cousins was a free agent at this moment you wouldn't be the team to try and sign him because you don't have so many other positions you would want to have one of those transition Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacks at this moment that was fairly cheap and you could start to build the pieces back around him so that's why I can't really put a a finger on it either Sage and that's why I kind of went through this list of like could they make splash moves to try to be competitive in 2020 even though it's not easy and that's where I come to Trent Williams and think well what's the biggest thing that could make Kirk Cousins better you made him worse by getting rid of Stephon Diggs well what could make him better and a left tackle is that even if it's not the most shrewd move yeah and you know he's got uh uh, you know what? Nine years of experience, and and, and he's, you know, he's played a while. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering what he wants as far as a long term deal. Would he want like a three year deal, mm-hmm. four year deal, something? Because you know, most of the guys in this situation, of course, want that big extension. That's what they're really looking for. Doesn't want to be in Washington anymore. Wants to get the heck out of there. Um, and, you know, much less sort of the draft capital. Also, uh, third round or fourth round or whatever that might be to to you know, try to get him. So there's. There's just a, a there's a lot of wants, and I don't know if we have enough resources to uh, even try to make something like this happen. Because we'd have just fewer and fewer resources to fill those other major holes in, in this uh, on this football team. Okay, let me give you a few more of these ideas, and I feel like you're going to shoot them down. So that's a you vote nay on Trent Williams. Uh, Yes, because I'm the extension is is tough. I mean, I'd love to have him. I'd love to have Trent Williams on the team. I'd love to have uh, Jadavian Clowney on, on the Madden. Team I'd as sign well. both. I would, uh, yeah, I would make great, it very easy right? on the video game. Um, I mean, you you are right in a sense. By the way, that you know, if you can help out Kirk Cousins in one way, have a great left tackle because he, then if he's not worried about that spot a lot, he'll become even a better quarterback, uh, and he'll have more time and. 
and those types of things, and you know that's only a, a good thing. He doesn't do as well when he doesn't have time. Obviously, very few quarterbacks do, mm-hmm. but he he definitely doesn't. And so, you know, I can see if you want to sort of build your team around Kirk Cousins, you got to give him a uh, you know a, a great left tackle. All right, let me move on to the next idea, which is to trade Anthony Harris as opposed to playing him on the franchise tag if he would would even play. I think he wants an extension too. So trade him away for a draft pick. You get his eleven million dollars of cap space. Putting you up to twenty-five million, and you spend that cap space on cornerback Logan Ryan, and Dominican Sue, and receiver Robbie Anderson. So you get a a kind of a poor man Stephon Diggs replacement, a really dominant interior defensive lineman, and a veteran starting cornerback who's pretty well proven. No, he's not one of the best in the league, but he's good. Um, that would fill out the roster quite a bit more, but you would have to lose Anthony Harris to be able to do it. And all of these players can continue to play for a while. Ryan and, and Anderson are not old at all. Sue probably has years left. And uh, you would probably have to sign them to multi-year deals for each of them. Do you like that? I do like that deal because, uh, you know, again, I don't think they can sign Anthony to a long-term deal and, and just the one year in play. I still think this team's in the position like, okay, we're, we're going to sign this guy to a one-year deal, and after that we're going to let him go. For basically no compensation, because I just this doesn't feel like the year they're going to win the Super Bowl. It just doesn't feel like that. Yep. You know, it's it's maybe next year or somewhere down the line. Uh, just this team doesn't feel like that uh, to me right now. So I would trade him. I think this about. I, I'm all about acquiring picks. Um, and and you know, Diggs's deal was different because he had a lot of years left on his contract. Um, but you know, with Anthony, if you can get some some picks for him and that that end up being starters, this team needs starters, and uh, I got to think they can find another good safety somewhere uh, that's that's fairly inexpensive, mm-hmm. or even maybe that's a, that's also a guy that they, they they draft in the mid rounds, and with one of these picks that could be cheap for the next four years at the free safety position. What you could do by filling multiple spots with good free agents, and you know that comes with creating space through trading Anthony Harris, is you can really focus yourself on what you need for the draft. So if you get Logan Ryan and Dominican Sue and Robbie Anderson, you still need a wide receiver for sure. But you don't have the same level of desperation that you have to spend a first-round pick. You could spend a second-round pick instead and get still a pretty good prospect, but you're not having to reach on one if it's the first round and a couple of others go off the board. And you know that you're going to have to draft a left tackle, but you won't have to draft the three-technique defensive tackle. You know, you might have to draft a defensive end, but you've got the the cornerback. The first cornerback spot is filled. Again, you don't have to be desperate in the first round because you know you have still Mike Hughes and you might be able to draft one later. So, you know, I, I guess that would be where I would put it, Sages. You have to probably get three to four free agents still to fill spots to feel like you could go into that first and second round where usually you can get starters right away um, and at least be able to plug them in. You you have to have at least three or four spots filled to even go into the draft and feel like you know what you're supposed to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, they, they need to sign, I don't know what the exact number is, but as you're saying, probably sign two to three guys that will end up being starters this year, and they need to draft to maybe three guys that end up being starters this year. That that's the way I you know sort of see it. Um, so you will, we'll know a heck of a lot more about who the Vikings draft or are, are going to draft in those first couple of rounds. I sort of feel like this year, when we get through free agency and we get to the draft, that we will know they're either going to draft a this or a this. Yes, like they're yes. going to have to. Yep. They're going to have to draft a, a corner. They're going to have to draft the second wide receiver to Adam Payne. They're going to have to draft. 
uh, you know, a defensive end with that first or second round pick. You know, we, we may not know the first, but if we don't, if they pick someone on the first, we'll probably know the second. And I just think they are going to go draft need and not just necessarily draft, uh, you know, best athlete. Yes. And I think they're going to probably have a good three needs to start when the draft starts, uh, whenever it is end of end of April. Uh, or whenever the draft is this year. So you give thumbs up on the idea of signing three free agents and moving on from Anthony Harris. Yes, I think that uh, you know I I think that anytime you can get sort of two for one or three for one, as in like two starters for as in like two good draft picks. Like I think I think with Ant, with uh, Stefan Diggs, they might get two starters out of that deal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so that's a, that's sort of a two for one scenario. So if you can get two starters and and also under you know inexpensive contracts or longer contracts than what Anthony Harris's was I think that'd be a a good business decision for the Vikings. Okay, the next one I got two more and we'll do these quick and then we have hot routes and lots to talk about in hot routes. Um trade Riley Reef and sign Jason Peters. So you get a late round draft pick for Riley Reef, no one's giving you a first or second. Let's say you get a fourth or fifth and you sign Jason Peters, he's there for a year, you draft a left tackle. You into that? I am into that. Jason Peters is awesome. He's a monster. I think, he, I think he's still a good player, and I think I like that sort of spot where you have him play left tackle, then you find some guy, you know, maybe some, you know, try to find a bigger athlete that's super raw and have him basically, and you can maybe find those in a, in a later round. A guy that went to maybe a smaller school or something. He's got good feet, but he just truly needs a, a sort of a, a red shirt year, and what better guy to learn from than Jason Peters, and, and I think that I like that as a, as a pick, as a true development guy and sort of a red shirt, and maybe it's a guy who's a fourth or fifth rounder who's got all the size and to be a dominant player but just has you know been poorly coached or something like that, has a long ways to go uh, as far as learning the game. And so, I, you know, Jason Peters, I think he's still a very, very good player. Yep, fourth best by PFF in pass protection last season, even though he's Thirty-eight years old. He's just Philadelphia. By ageless. the way, as you know, Philadelphia for years has you know Andy Reid when he was there, or they've just done a great job of stealing players from other teams. I mean, he was a, a second-round trade. And how that happened, I don't know. But they stole him from the Buffalo Bills, yep. I believe. Yep. Right? It was a contract thing. Uh, Peter wanted a new contract. No yep. contract, and, and and Buffalo gave him for a second rounder. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to go to the guys, Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and but Philadelphia has done that occasionally here and there. They've just gotten really good deals on guys at the right time, and things fell through. They do a good job as anybody of sort of finding these these trades that end up being very very pro Philly. Uh, that you know the Vikings could definitely use a, a some sort of trade like that. All right, I'll let uh, listeners go to scorenorth.com to see the other one because we got to hit a break here and details on the five splash moves the Vikings could still make even though they are in a really tough spot with the salary cap, but they are not dead last in salary cap space anymore, so they can make some moves and we would expect some things to happen within the next week or so. All right, let's take a break. We've got hot routes. It's been a little while, but we've got enough of a pause in NFL moves. Tom Brady has a home the vikings have made their moves so far so we can have some hot routes and that will happen when we return matthew collar sage rosenfels here on purple daily hey there it's phil Mackey for federated mutual insurance company and federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind you pour your life and energy into a business and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense and that's where federated comes in based in owatonna minnesota over a century of experience and standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more 
about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North wants to hear from and honor high school seniors who had their careers cut short due to the coronavirus outbreak. Send us a video to at Score North using the hashtag Minnesota Senior Night on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. Tell us your name, what sport you play, what school you play for, and what you'll miss the most. Follow at Score North, at SKOR North on social media as we share your story. As you heard in the first segment there, we, Matthew Collar has an article over at the freescorenorth.com listing five splash moves that the Vikings can still make. Judd Zalgad also has the report that the Vikings' first-round pick, Laquan Treadwell, has agreed to a deal with the Falcons. We've also got all your Vikings and NFL free agency news covered over at Score North. It's completely free over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red falling! Blue poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! It has been a while, but it is that time in our lives enough to get the NFL Films music going and to get Hot Routes turned up to more hotness. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, Jonathan Harrison producing. All right, Sage, uh, I know it's been a little while, but uh, but get ready here. For the hot routes. Did you even look at the hot routes? I know you were really busy. I did. Okay. No, okay. So I, I, so you I'm, I'm on these. All right. I'm on these. I'm Good prepped. to go. Yes. Zolgad doesn't even read them. He just goes off the top like uh, Eminem rap battling people. It's well, you're, you're, when you ask questions of things like this, they're not, they're a lot of times like, which player of all time? And you have to sort of, you know, spend some time thinking about that. So there's two or three of these questions that aren't just super simple answers. That is so. unless you spend your entire life only thinking about it, which uh, that would be me. You have you have your top ten fullbacks uh, of all time just off the tip of your right, tongue, don't you? Here. It's right there <laughs> okay. on the edge of here. Number one ever is Sam Gash. Uh, Lorenzo Neal. I will go with um, <laughs> Max Strong for his name only. Corey Schlesinger, um, Loren- did I say Lorenzo Neal already? Loren- yes, he was number two. Oh, he was number two. All right, Larry Centers was on the top of my mind. I will go... Um, Who was more of a t- pass-catching fullback. He was. 100 catches in, I think, 1995 with Dave Craig as his random quarterback. Um, Tom Rathman will be next. I'll go Kyle Juszczyk because, I mean, he's amazing, right? What about so Matt that- Suey? There's seven. Who? Matt, <laughs> 85 Bears. Oh, okay. Uh, you're going back a little too far for me with 85 Bears. <laughs> that's right. That's Tommy Vardell. <laughs> Touchdown, Tommy Vardell. John Ritchie. What about uh, and Marcus Ma- Mike Allen? Al- Remember Mike Marcus Al- Allen played fullback Mike- for the Raiders. Mike Allstott. Oh, Mike sure. Allstott. Mike I think, Allstott. I think yeah. Roger Ma- Craig actually was sort of a mixed fullback tailback, yeah. but I think he was sort of a fullback. They'd run the old Texas route, the old angled route a lot with Roger Craig. So I think he was a little fullback, too. And uh, you know who's pretty good? Chuck Evans back in the day. He was pretty good as well. So there you go. There's 10. That was easy. All right. That's your first hot route. All right. Now the real hot routes begin. Sage, uh, you made fun of me on Twitter.com for watching NFL Europe 2004 
JT O'Sullivan versus Rohan Davey. I have no idea why you're making fun of this. Uh, I also was playing video games and eating breakfast for lunch on Saturday. There's nothing wrong with breakfast for lunch. I think that this is my ideal Saturday, is watching old random football and playing video games and eating breakfast for lunch. I want you to give me your ideal football day while we are all quarantined. So what game are you playing on video games, Jonathan? What game, old game are you watching and what are you eating? Go ahead, Sage. Um, I would think, uh, well, in current NFL, you know, like this season, like what's a perfect Sunday in a sense, I would think uh, watching Patrick Mahomes uh, play against um, maybe may, I don't. I'm trying to think. Maybe Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. I think Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson in a game would be a lot of fun to watch uh, on, on a Sunday. And the meal probably would be uh, me making some homemade chili, uh, and then having a lot of different various little sides, like some cheese over here you can put into it, or some jalapenos, <laughs> or some onions. Uh, Chili is very football-y. Yeah, so that sort of sounds about right to me. And, uh, of course, with my kids sort of bouncing around the house and, uh, you know, making me put the game on pause ten times. I actually, I know it's sort of annoying, but actually, uh, maybe in more times like these, I actually enjoy those moments. So that that sounds like a pretty good Sunday afternoon of football for me. All right, how about you, Jonathan? Your football Saturday or Sunday, or it could be actually any day of the week now because we are quarantined. So I'm kicking off the morning with uh, a bowl of cereal and NCAA football 14 on the PS3. Oh, before, perfect game. Perfect before game. then moving on to my current Madden franchise with the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, as we get closer to the actual football being played, this is Conference Championship Sunday, where we just have two games that are just super meaningful, so much on the line mm-hmm. for each of these two teams. I don't care who's in it. I just want Conference Championship Sunday. And then I want pizza and wings. I don't care. I'm not picky on the brand. I just want pizza and wings. I am also going to select pizza and wings because I'm from Buffalo, and that's what you have to do. Uh, I will go with either a Madden Summer All game. Yes. If I'm to pick one, my favorite one is 1998 Packers 49ers NFC Championship. No, no, not NFC Championship game. I think it's the divisional round game to go to the NFC Championship game. But it's Summerall and Madden at their absolute best. It's Favre and it's Steve Young. It's amazing. Uh, How about like Favre, Favre, uh, early Green Bay Packers Favre at Dallas on like a Thanksgiving type of situation (laughs) with John Madden. Absolutely. Talking about the turkey for three hours. There's some weird uh, uh, bird animal thing on the (laughs) sidelines with like 32 (laughs) drumsticks to it for some reason. It seemed like those things always had like extra drumsticks or something. Is part of it. Um, that sounds about uh, that. That that, that seems like a great memory for me. That that is extremely football. And yes, yes, that's exactly right. Is something involving Favre, or uh, I would go Monday Night Football. Almost anything in the early '90s when it's Frank and Alan Dan. I will watch all of those games. Uh, I'm just currently watching one from 1989 with the Bengals and Vikings playing for a playoff spot, and it's Frank and Alan Dan, and it's just peak Monday Night Football for me. From my era of, of starting to watch football. And uh, in terms of video games, I will play ESPN 2K5 football. The GOAT football game still remains number one. But if I have friends over, which I won't because I'm quarantining, but if I did, yep. NFL Blitz. All right. Ooh. Next question. Tom Brady was reportedly interested in joining the Colts, but the Colts did not want Tom Brady. What? Imagine that sentence. 
Uh, that's got regret written all over it, right? Uh, so I want you guys to give me a move that you could tell from the very moment it happened that the team was going to regret it. Any era, draft, free agent signing, you just knew right at that moment, oh my gosh, you are going to regret it. I will start with this one. Um, Mitch Trubisky. It's just too <laughs> obvious. It's like, what? They are, dra- they are drafting Mitch Trubisky and not Deshaun Watson. I kind of understood the Mahomes thing a little bit because he played in such a weird offense and he didn't have to really set his feet or anything. But... Deshaun Watson just led his team to a national championship drive against Alabama's defense, and you took Mitch Trubisky? What? So, yeah, that right away. And the other one, and we'll see how this plays out, recent quarterback would be Josh Allen. Like, you're, you're going to regret not taking Lamar Jackson. Those, are, those were my two most obvious recent, uh-oh, you're going to regret that. How about you, Sage? Uh, the moment I read over the airways that... Uh, the Vikings had re-signed Brad Childress to an extension. Oh, no. 2010. No. That's fantastic. Oh, my. That's well, it. You can't beat that one, Jonathan. Nope. You can't beat Definitely that can't. one. You want to... Who, who thought that, that was a great idea? <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? The silence says it all. Just going to leave that one right there, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't here. We can move on to the next but, question uh, because nothing's going to beat that. No, nothing, nothing is, is going to beat that for sure. But uh, we'll, give you, we'll give you an answer anyway, Jonathan. I had two here, one relating to the Vikings, the other not. The other one was last year, Antonio Brown to Oakland. As soon as that oh, thing ca- sure. happened, it's like, ooh, with the leadership there, I don't know that they're ready for what Antonio Brown has to hold, and lo and behold, they didn't. Yep. The other one was Christian Ponder being drafted. It just felt like a reach move at the time, and it looked like it in the end. I felt that way when the Bills drafted EJ Manuel. When you trade down and pick your quarterbacks, <laughs> that's probably not going to work. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next hot route here. Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated reports that Stefan Diggs tweets about how something was going to happen caused the Bills to call the Vikings about a deal. So how about that? Diggs got himself traded to Buffalo with those tweets. Uh, if you guys could set an NFL move in motion by tweeting... What would you hit send on? You want to start, Jonathan? Um, it would literally just be get me the bleep out of here. Except I wouldn't say bleep. I would say the word that I wanted. Just if I don't want to be in a situation, then just tweet that out and you'll probably be moved. Okay, you read the question differently than I meant it. I meant your Twitter can make an NFL move happen. Oh, gotcha. Let me think on that then. Okay. I thought you Did you read it that way or Sage or was it was I confusing? Well, it's pretty much any NFL move, so I took okay. it as anything. Yeah, you can make you anything can, happen. You can Your make Twitter anything fingers in the NFL change yeah. as I long as you tweet something. Yes. Uh, what that tweet is, you know, it'd have to be magical and become viral. And yes. And it'd have to somehow catch on fire, and then the whole league would, would something would happen. It would have this to become is... lit, as your children might say. <laughs> mm. Yes. Are you saying no? that still? I don't I think don't so. Know. Ask your kids. Uh, mine's four years old. I don't think <laughs> he's talking like that yet. All right. Get him on the internet, Jonathan. My, you know what mine would be? No, what's, your, what's your move, Sage? I wish I had the ability to watch the entire game, and maybe there is somewhere, but the entire game from the uh, the overhead cam. I wish you could oh, watch the that's entire a good game. Yeah. Ooh, so you could see all 22 the, players. With the overhead cam, that's sort of the closest way to having uh, what the quarterback sees. It's the way I like watching football. It's how I can sort of diagnose of how things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure linemen would love it, offensive and defensive linemen. But 
Um, I think for me, to, for, that's absolutely the best way to watch the game. Watching regular football game, man, I, I think that, that at least should be an option in this day and age of everyone wanting their options. They want their football sort of, uh, you know, it's like they want their Starbucks coffee. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like it to have it from that, uh, that sky head view or whatever behind the quarterback's head. I've got two. Number one is the XFL kickoff comes to the NFL. Bring back the kickoff. Thank you. My other one would be that Deshaun Watson gets traded to some other team. Because the Texans are bad, and Bill O'Brien is bad, and he is good. So I want him to a better organization where he can win and become the full Deshaun Watson. I tell you what, he's a really good player. He is. I just think that... You know they they they're in shotgun all the time. They don't do much play action or bootleg stuff. They ask him uh, to do a lot in that offense, and he sort of finds ways to to win football games. He's a phenomenal athlete, and and he's he's a very good thrower, uh, and, he, and he makes a lot of really good decisions. But he's not his job is not made easy by Bill O'Brien. That's what it seems like to me. They should have been asking what would Gary do. That's that's an old throwback to people who have been listening to the show for quite some time. Did you come up with one, Jonathan? I'm going to take the one you guys talked about last segment, Jadavion Clowney to the Vikings. If you want to oh, easily okay. shore, make it happen, if you want to easily shore up the rest of your defense in one move, you get your defensive line unblockable essentially. I tweeted into existence, Jonathan. I've already tweeted about the uh, XFL kickoff. I want that to happen. <laughs> uh, next question: Darius Slay is taking the number 24 in Philadelphia to honor Kobe Bryant. I want you guys to give me your three favorite football numbers. Let's say you're in the NFL. I know, Sage, this is tough for you. but uh, And you can have any number you want. It doesn't matter position. Just your three coolest football numbers. What are they? Who, who's up? Go ahead. Me? 99. <laughs> great number. 44. It's a great number. Leroy Hoard. And seven. Seven, I John think, is, is uh, to me the, maybe the coolest quarterback number. Who's I the best ninety nine ever? I, I don't. Dan Hampton. I have no <laughs> idea. But I think it's it's not necessarily about like who the best player Dan ever Hampton. is at that. I think it's just a cool number to see on a jersey. And I think forty four is a you know, forty four sort of a coveted something magical a little bit about uh, forty four. It's always a fullback or a linebacker. It's usually a gritty number. Um, and oh, Warren you know, at, Sapp would be at, one. At, Sy- at Syracuse, uh, uh, you know that number is like um, sacred or whatever. So um, I think those are cool numbers. I, th- I think just sevens. Uh, there's been some some great quarterbacks, of course, including John Elway that that wore number seven. Sort of lucky lucky seven there too. Jason Taylor, your former teammate, ninety nine. There's been some good ones over yeah, the years. Usually defensive Port- line, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, Jonathan, your favorite football numbers? Uh, my first one, because as a kid, he was playing in the NFL at the time, 88, Marvin Harrison, just because my last name was on the back of a jersey. And there you go. That was the number that went with it. 80, because the number I wore in college, and then number four for Brett Favre. Mm. There you, uh, nice. Good picks. I think you need to have like a quarterback, a skill position. You didn't pick a defensive number, unless it was old school number 88. You can go yeah. with that. Uh, I will go number 21, the Deion Sanders number. For a a while, you couldn't pick number 21 if you were a cornerback because it would almost be disrespectful to Deion Sanders, who was the greatest player in the league at that position for a long time. So I love number 21. I will also take, in terms of a quarterback number, there are so many good ones. Seven was one that I was going to pick, um, but I also like 14. Because I I don't know how many great quarterbacks have it, and I think it looks cool. Like, how many all-time great quarterbacks have worn 14? I don't think that many, but I like it. Frank Reich wore 14. I'll go 14. 
Uh, I've got a question for you guys real quick before we switch segments. Yeah. Give me your two least favorite numbers. Like, what are the worst numbers that you sort of end up having? Of course, everyone has this nightmare when you first start playing football when you're a kid or middle school, high school, and like, oh, I ended up with... What what are the le- the worst numbers you could end up with? Uh, uh, I will go player? with forty six and <laughs> sixty nine because you would just never stop getting made fun of. So the number that you would avoid sixty nine is the number that Jared Allen coveted. Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Well, but look at me and look at Jared Allen. Does any yeah. does anybody you don't gonna, have a mullet? Right, is what it, you're saying? It, well, but also is anybody going to question Jared Allen wearing that? Like, who's making fun of someone who has twenty sacks? Yeah. All right, so 69 and, and 46. Yeah, 46 right. is a tough one. I think anything in the good. 70s. I don't know why. I just have never liked anything in the 70s. Late, late 40s There's some good se- 70 is a great number. I think 70 is a, is a good number. 78, I think, is a good number. 77 is a good number. Oh, 77 is like. a good number. Yeah, that's for like you're an all-pro 70, tackle if you're 77. 73 is a bad number. Yeah, 60, yeah, yeah. 61, nobody looks good in a 61. <laughs> you are the backup guard if you're 61. You're the fourth-string defensive tackle if you're 73, for sure. Uh, well, as Sharif Floyd was 73, so he was pretty good. But he was still no, occasionally they, they break the Interesting, I was given 18 when I was a freshman at Iowa State, and nobody had that number, and I was like, oh, this is a terrible number. My high school number was four. I spent about two and a half or three years trying to get four. You know, a kid would graduate, they'd give it to somebody else. So <laughs> we got a junior college guy, he's going to wear that number, or a running back that we, you know, he wanted that number. And I just kept, sort of kept being denied because I was the, you know, back, you know, the four string and then and then backup quarterback. And then eighteen became a sort of more popular number. Uh, I, you know, I'm keeping up, but you know, Peyton Manning was eighteen, and then it sort of became a. Uh, more popular number that that uh, you know some people are just aware now, but at the time I feel like eighteen was sort of a crappy number back in the uh, the, the mid nineties. So uh, you're aware that Moss had eighteen to start, right? Because I oh that's I, right. I pulled up the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame has numbers for every like Hall of Famer and what number they wore. Because I loved fourteen, I couldn't figure out why Dan Fouts, Otto Graham both wore number fourteen, and Y A Tittle. So way yeah, back in the day, fourteen was money. I just thought I just thought it had some symmetry that looks really cool for a quarterback um but it lists... not to think of like a raiders backup that's what i think yes of 14, 14 yeah okay that's fair <laughs> yeah. enough backups often have 14 but i love journeyman so it's perfect for my brand uh randy moss is listed in the hall of fame as wearing number 18 <laughs> but oh. he, i think he's probably listed under 84 as well but uh yeah he is so anyway uh 84 is probably my third one because you have what shannon sharp was 84 too, so, also, yeah. yeah, you got some pretty good players there. All right, last hot route question. Laquan Treadwell signed with the Falcons. So it's official. He is a Vikings bust. There's no Laquan Treadwell rises from the ashes like a phoenix and catches 80 passes this year, right? Um, he's going to the Falcons. A lot of people thought he would be a great receiver, though, when he was coming out of college. I want you guys to give me a player you expected to be great around draft time, and then you were just completely wrong. Like, old takes expose yourself. Um, well, for me, we're going to go back a ways. It's the year I came out, 2001, in the draft. The Chicago Bears drafted uh, a receiver out of Michigan at the eighth pick in the draft. I'm having a, 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 I can't think of it. David Terrell. 
Oh, David yeah, I Terrell. remember David Terrell, yeah. All right, David Terrell, yep. and he, I think, so this is my draft, I think he was like the eighth pick or the tenth pick or something like that. And I remember watching him, of course, you know, Michigan's one of those teams that, you know, even back in those days, you saw on college football all the time. And yeah. he was a stud at Michigan, and he looked the part, and he was tall and big. I saw him at the, the you know, rookie stuff or whatever, and, you know, he was six foot three, six foot four. He was a freak athlete, and he just never had a career. And I just thought that was one of those guys that I would transition well to the NFL. And, and, and you know, like the guys, and like, you know, a very likable guy when I when I met him just, you know, that the combine type of stuff. But uh, he ended up having almost no NFL career. Jonathan? Uh, mine goes back to the 2011 draft, Jake Locker. I was sold on him mm, going into that Jake draft. Jake Locker, yeah. 6'3", 234, had this big body that you thought could take hits, and he just never panned out in the NFL, probably due to a lot of reasons, unfortunately. Quarterbacks are the easiest ones to have takes on and then blow it badly, and that's where I go as well. Uh, n- now, Cardell Jones, if you remember, came in and won the um, national championship having not played the whole year, I think mm-hmm. it was, and then he came back the next year and put up big numbers, and then he got drafted. But I thought after he won that national championship, I remember distinctly making an argument on the radio in Buffalo that I would draft him with a first-round pick. Like, look People at this guy's arm. Him. He's massive, right? Yeah, I, and I was actually at that championship game against Oregon. And, of course you were. It was in Dallas, yes. Well, uh, so... <laughs> So, but I remember seeing him play. I'm like, man, this kid is making some throws. He's big. He's uh, he moves around pretty well. And and people are talking about he should come out right away because yes. he's going to be the first pick of the draft, or he'll definitely be a top five pick. Or people just loved his you know his physical tools and obviously how he played and just that you know, whatever it was a few games down the stretch there at the end of that season because he had played so well. Mm-hmm. People, you weren't the only one who missed on him. Yeah, well, so Cardell Jones. And I think the other one where I'm going to end up ultimately being pretty wrong is Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen at UCLA, very accurate, was good at you know sort of uh, the pocket presence things, stepping up if he needed to. He was kind of um, athletic in a, in a not Lamar Jackson way, but in more of a Tom Brady way where he could move around a little bit and he had good footwork and he looked like the most well-developed passer to step in right away. And then just, you know, he goes to Arizona, they're horrendous. He goes to Miami, they're horrendous. And his career might just be over before it even started because of circumstance. And he wasn't very good in those circumstances either. He wasn't able to even put up halfway decent numbers to convince his team not to draft someone else. So it might not work out for Josh Rosen. I I thought he would be good, but nope. I will say going in the Carson, I, I thought Carson Wentz was a better prospect than Jared Goff was in that mm. draft. When the, with those guys being the one-two picks, of course, Wentz has gotten hurt too much, but I do think has a higher window, or sorry, a higher uh, ceiling than Goff. But uh, yeah, quarterbacks, it's always tough, and, and you never really know, and a lot of a lot of swings and not a lot of hits. It seems like uh, over the years, well, it's about look, a fifty, about a fifty-fifty rate. It seems like if you draft a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, look at that twenty eighteen draft that everyone talked about as being so great. Lamar Jackson is the MVP. He was the last guy picked in the first round, and Baker Mayfield so far looks like he's sort of uh, make or break going into this I think, year. With I think he game. will be. I think he will end up having a long career though, uh, and I think he'll have some good years and some not great years. But I do think. Uh, Baker Mayfield will get better. I think that organization is not helping him, you know, either to to help him be successful. But so far, I mean, that's sort of up in the air still. Sam Darnold up in the air still. We'll see if Rosen ever gets another chance 
and Josh Allen even up in the air. I, I was on Buffalo Radio three times this week talking or last week talking about Stephon Diggs, and each time it came up. I think this is kind of now you have no excuses, Josh Allen, throw the ball more accurately, which probably won't happen. And it just tells you about how we talk ourselves into these quarterbacks, and there might be one out of every draft that turns out to be uh, great or even good. Yeah, it's, it's, it is something else. And it, but, you know, a, a quarterback in the first round gives your franchise hope. And it that's does. what the offseason's yeah. all about. It you sure does. Really break it down to it. You have your team. You're going to uh, have some new guys from the team, somewhere usually between 10 and 20 guys that are added. And if one of those is a quarterback, ooh, we have hope. And that's what the offseason is all about. That's what free agency is about. That's what the draft is about is uh, we have hope that, oh, that guy or, or, or whatever could be the guy that flips us from a bad team to a good team or whatever it might be. And, and so there's so much pressure put on these quarterbacks. And a lot of times winning and losing is not necessarily always their fault. And, and you know, there's bad, bad organizations, coaches, offensive lines, all sorts of things that, you know, it, it takes to put together to have a quarterback be successful. Yep, for sure. All right, well, Sage, we will see what happens by Wednesday when you and I speak again, whether we'll have any of those splash moves or if we'll still be waiting and speculating recklessly. So I appreciate your time, as always, and uh, make sure your kids are doing those studies inside of your house. I know i gotta I got to create some different, uh, almost like individual classrooms for them so because they, they're all going to have computers, I guess, uh, uh, as they talk to their teachers and, and maybe fellow classmates, it's going to be interesting. So hmm. uh, stay safe out there and uh, stay inside and get some exercise if you can. And uh, one day at a time. That's my <laughs> that's my do your job yeah. is a Bill Belichick statement. Do your job one day at a time. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday then, Sage. Thanks for your time, buddy. Okay. All right, Solomon Wilcox comes up next, and we got to ask him about intercepting Randall Cunningham. Also, he works for Pro Football Focus now, as well as being a broadcaster. So his takes on the NFL offseason, Solomon Wilcox. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. The American Red Cross is facing a severe blood shortage due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Please schedule an appointment by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. Or visit scorenorth.com, keyword red, to learn more and sign up to give blood. It's Purple Daily. Great defensive play. He smelled it, zipped across the field, tipped it up, and had the presence of mind to hang on. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. Jonathan, could you actually play that again so Solomon can hear it? Cunningham on a rollout. Oh, nearly picked off. It is by Wilcox. He made a great defensive play. He smelled it, zipped across the field, tipped it up, and had the presence of mind to hang on. Solomon Wilcots, you intercepted two passes in your career, and I found one of them on YouTube. <laughs> well, that's, that's like needle in the haystack right there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it, was a, it was a tipped ball. It was against Randall Cunningham, so it's not like you picked off a scrub. You picked off one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, it's easy to remember when you have so few. The other came against Warren Moon. He's not pretty. He's not bad either. So, so you only uh, picked off no, the it greatest. Was, it, it, 
Uh, well, I guess you could say that. <laughs> uh, Solomon, I want to ask you about this because you did play in Minnesota, but also people here love Randall Cunningham for the 1998 season. So as I was tracking this down, I'm watching Randall Cunningham play. I think it's 1989. And uh, he is just amazing at this time. I mean, it's third down and 12 or something. Everyone's covered. He takes off. He dodges a bunch of people. There's one point where he launches a throw 50 yards down the field. I mean, he just is incredible. What was it like to play against Randall Cunningham? You know, I would imagine it's the same way it was against Michael Vick or the same way that it is currently against Lamar Jackson. I remember in that same game, uh, later it was a third down play. He broke out, and I knew I had to be the guy to make the tackle. And if I would have missed, he walks in the end zone. And I think I went for his waist. By the time it was done, I had his ankle. (laughs) But I was able to get him on the ground and stop him from picking up a first down. And, man, he was elusive. He had a talented arm. He had a rocket arm. Mm -hmm. He could throw it as well as any of the great passers during that time. But he was a load on third down just because he was so elusive. And he would get out of the pocket, wait for you to drop deep, and then he'd scramble and pick up a first down. He killed many defenses that very same way. You know, Solomon, I, we'll get to NFL offseason stuff, but I, I love you know talking about some of the players from back in the day because I am an old YouTube game junkie, so I like to go back and see kind of who I, I missed or forgot about and things like that. And so I started doing some research on Cunningham, and in his era from 87 to 98 where he was a regular starter and then you know he goes away from football but comes back after 98 he was right up there in terms of quarterback rating so just passing with troy aikman uh, elway bernie kozar and right behind warren moon marino and kelly i don't think he gets enough credit for that and in the more research i did i feel like cunningham belongs in the hall of fame you know i think it's a strong argument you know what the Hall of Fame is requiring is that high level of play over a long period of time, particularly mm-hmm. if it leads to championships. And you and I both know he played well enough to get the Vikings to a Super Bowl, except of all the people to miss a kick. You know, you don't expect Morton Anderson to be a, you know, you expect him to miss a kick. Right. And that robbed him of an opportunity. I think probably if they get to that game, they're going to play the Denver Broncos against that great Elway team. And if they're able to win that game, I think they're have, we're having a whole different conversation because uh, Randall Cunningham was as good as any of the great quarterbacks during his time. He was a better athlete. The guy was a tremendous punter. And I'm yes. telling you, he was a yes. starting quality punter. They just didn't want him to punt anymore because they didn't want him to get hurt. He was so valuable at quarterback. <laughs> right. But when I tell you he was as good as any punter who's ever punted in the NFL, he was. And so um, he was as talented. He had a beautiful arm, beautiful throwing motion. And uh, I think had he just did it longer or had maybe it resulted in one of those trips to a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl victory, I think we're having a different conversation. Yeah, and I also think part of it is that that era of quarterbacks is amazing. I mean, there's a good you know, yeah. half dozen or more players in that era who you can say were uh, decided easily Hall of Famers, and he maybe gets lost in the shuffle a little bit there. And then some of the down years, some of the injuries and things like that. But his winning percentage is actually a little higher than uh, Elway's, which I think would blow most people away. Um, anyway, Solomon, so you... you um, 
are doing some stuff for Pro Football Focus now. You've been a broadcaster for a long time. You played in the NFL for a long time as well. Uh, I want to know your perspective on this NFL offseason in terms of how much things have shifted just over the last week. Because, of course, our world is kind of crazy right now. But for people like me who are lucky enough to just sort of focus on football and avoid everything else, it's been nuts, Solomon. We have Tom Brady playing for the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got Phillip Rivers playing for Indianapolis. Just give me your perspective on how much the league has changed just over this last week. Well, it's shifted, I think, in a number of, of ways. Obviously, we have a great player like Tom Brady, leave a team that he's won so many games for for the last 20 years. Typically, a team would not even let a guy go, particularly when they're playing at uh, still at a high level, as Tom Brady is, let's face it. But the fact that he picks the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, that if he, if he wins with the Buccaneers and they win a Super Bowl, that would be akin to walking on water, right? <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah. he will have lifted – I think it's uh, it's been 12 years, something like between 9 and 12 years since the Bucks have even been to the playoffs. So if he gets them there and wins the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl will be played at Raymond James Stadium. He will solidify himself as no doubt, undoubtedly, it wouldn't be arguably, it would be undoubtedly the greatest quarterback in the 100-year history of our game. But you're right, Phillip Rivers moving on, another future Hall of Famer, $25 million, one-year deal, goes to the Colts, a team that was once manned by Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and now they get Phillip Rivers. And then for Teddy Bridgewater to go to the Panthers, and it looks like Cam Newton's going to be moving on. It looks like Andy Dalton's going to be moving on. Um, yeah, we've seen monumental shifts when it comes to the quarterbacks who were once staple with their team. Now they're playing somewhere else. Um, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I know, and and I kind of am sitting here on pins and needles waiting to find out what happens as we go forward with this, uh, not only just free agency period and wrapping up some of the loose ends, but also just whether we're playing football on time and, and things like that that are uh, making uh, everybody nervous. But I can't wait for this season to come already. I'm like, please don't delay this. Please get uh, everything sorted out in time because there are so many interesting shifts and interesting changes. And one of them, Solomon, that it has has me fascinated is just New England and Bill Belichick's situation. If you're Bill Belichick, do you look at it as I can't have a three and thirteen season? I'm Bill Belichick. I don't want that stain on what I've done over this long, amazing career as a head coach. Or do you say, what is a nine and seven season different from a three and thirteen to me when I only think in terms of championships? I wonder what you think New England, what their approach will be to this the rest of this offseason now after losing Brady. Well, I can tell you right now, Bill Belichick not only wants to have a winning season, he wants to win every game. He wants to win every single quarter of every single game. <laughs> so right. yeah. if anyone even think they're going to mention tanking and Bill Belichick in the same sentence, you're, you're just not paying attention. You mm-hmm. clearly don't have any understanding of who this guy is and what makes him tick. He wants to win every single moment of every single game. He understands history. He does, yeah, his posterity and legacy and all those things on his mind, yeah. But it's really about the moment. And I know it looks like, you know, without Tom Brady, they're kind of left for dead. 
you know, people have underestimated Bill Belichick for a long time, and if they haven't learned anything by now, is that you don't underestimate it. That's that's where the term in Bill We Trust comes from. (laughs) No one knows what he really is doing. No one knows what he's going to do. But what we have all have learned is you better trust whatever it is he plans to do. (laughs) Because it it tends to almost always work out right. Is he 100%? No. But his batting average is better than all the other 31 coaches who seem to be playing checkers while he's playing chess. So, you know, I trust that he's got a plan. He knew there was a potential for him to lose Tom Brady. I don't believe he thinks he's going to go into this with Stidham as his quarterback. But if he is, if that's his decision, then that means he knows more about Stidham than the rest of us. And so he knows it's not a very strong division also. So I'm curious as to what he's going to do, but I've also learned to not bet against him. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise anyone, Solomon, if uh, he went 13-3 and with Brian Hoyer and allowed the fewest points in NFL history or something, right? I mean, but it's just, it's hard to see at the, at the moment without Brady. And even last year, Brady didn't turn the ball over and played smart football when he didn't have the weapons and still found lots of ways to win because he's Tom Brady. And separating the two not only feels weird, but also kind of puts a little pressure on both of them to feel like they have to prove that it wasn't the other one. Because it kind of seems like they're at odds well there's no doubt that that's the reason why you have a parting of the ways and many you you understand that typically when you stay together that long when there's a parting of the ways it's probably not going to be pretty right Mm -hmm. but it, it hasn't been ugly i give them that much it hasn't been an ugly divorce or separation uh it was amicable um we know that there are things that are sort of stirring beneath the surface but it hasn't bubbled above the surface in any way, shape, or form. To that extent, you have to give them both a lot of credit that they maintain some dignity um, in terms of their approach to this separation. While there may be some hard feelings, they tend to get over those things with time. But you're right. There's almost a battle for this legacy. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. gets most of the credit? I can answer the question right now. They both deserve the credit because it's always a team thing. It's always about the team. Thomas said that. Belichick has always said that. I don't think they'll ever answer that question any differently. I don't care how many years that passed. They'll always answer that question the same. However, I think Tom is set up to win in the immediate future in Tampa. But we all know Bill Belichick, time is on his side. Mm -hmm. He's already proven he can win without Tom Brady. He did that with Matt Castle. He did that with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett when Tom was suspended. Um, he, he will win again. Um, time is on his side because you can coach longer than you can play quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And I think that Belichick, where he deserves a lot of his credit, is at a per, as a personnel guy and as a savvy, I don't want to quite say like cap person, salary cap, but understanding the value. And this is something I want to discuss with you, talking with uh, Solomon Wilcots here on the show, is that you're working with Pro Football Focus now as well, and I appreciate them setting up our conversation here. And I wonder what you've sort of found about your own former position, about defensive back and the value, because I look at it as as the Vikings go to rebuild their secondary, um, they've got to you know do it in a very smart and savvy way if they're going to be good next year, if they're going to be good down the road. And I wonder what you've sort of learned and how you've taken your own football experience and knowledge and combined it with some of the analytics to, to, to change your thinking potentially on secondary or, or maybe not. 
Well, I've been part of the NFL either as a player, um, as a reporter, and as a broadcaster um, for more than 30 years, for 33 years to be exact. So though that experience, I'm not leaving on the shelf. You have to build upon that. But the data analytics has helped us to uncover and unearth some things that may have been left on the cutting room floor in times past. We're learning that um, the value on a running back isn't nearly as high as maybe um, many many of us thought. In other words, when was the last time we've taken a running back with the first overall pick in the draft? There was a time where the Earl Campbells of the world, um, the Bo Jacksons of the world, would have easily been a first overall pick. Now those players are no, it's almost always a quarterback, right? Um, pass rusher might be a defensive end. If that quarterback isn't there, it's going to be another impact player. It's not going to be a running back. That's why you see teams who have given running backs these big contracts having buyer's remorse, whether it's Todd Gurley and whether it's Dallas now having given Ezekiel Elliott the big time contract, but now they can't seem to reconcile themselves with a salary cap of how much they want to give Dak Prescott when they should have locked up the quarterback first. Mm-hmm. And we're also learning that in, on defense that uh, coverage is maybe more important than pass rush. Uh, you can look at the Patriots last year. They led the team in coverage. It wasn't really about pressing the quarterback, even though that's important, but not giving up big plays on the back end of your secondary is the most important. If you make mistakes in your secondary, you're going to lose a lot of games. And Mike Zimmer understands this. That's why they're loaded at the safety position because the Vikings have the best safety tandem in the National Football League between mm-hmm. Harrison Smith and, and, and Anthony Harris. They are phenomenal. They haven't given up a touchdown, at least they didn't last year. They've been one of the best over the last two seasons. Now, now they're hurting that corner. Um, and let's face it, it, it caught up with them at the end of the season. But still, it's a defense that performed very well in 2019. They've got to fix themselves at the cornerback position. Xavier Rhodes did fail them, and that's why he's no longer there, because they were spending a lot of money at that position, but yet he was not living up to the contract. You can bet they're going to go into the draft looking to snag one of these top corners off the board. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that they're in a good position to do it. Um, Solomon, um, before I let you go, I got I got two more things. I need a 1991 Vikings memory, but I'll save that for a second. But as the Vikings go forward here, uh, they have a decision to make with Anthony Harris that I think is not easy because of their salary cap situation, and they do have to rebuild the secondary. But also, you have Kirk Cousins that I'm sure you'd love the PFF stat of how good he is with a clean pocket, and he hasn't always had the most clean pockets over the last couple of years with the Vikings. So how do you balance deciding, whether it's using your experience or numbers or whatever, deciding which positions to pour the most resources into if you're the Vikings and you have a lot of spaces that you need to fill over the next year or two? Yeah, they remember, they went offensive line at the top of the draft last year, and it was smart business. But this year, um, I think they've got to come away with a receiver, and they're set up well to go into the draft to do that, to replace Stephon Diggs, but I think you've got to get a real playmaker, and I think so. It's okay to use a first-round pick there. I suspect that because they're so deep, this draft is so deep at receiver, I think you can go first round with the pick that you got from Buffalo and get the corner, 
Mm-hmm. And then in the second round, you can go and get the wide receiver. And then in third round, go back in because it's heavy with offensive linemen, and you can get the offensive linemen in that third round. But you've got to understand how to value these picks. The, the quarterback is the number one. Obviously, if you're going to take a quarterback, you value that. Cornerback is second. And that's why you're going to use the first-round pick on a corner. Mm-hmm. You're going to use that second-round pick on a wide receiver because at that position you create touchdowns. Offensive linemen don't score points, and so receivers do. And so that's why you want to use the second-round pick at a very valuable position at the wide receiver position and then look to go uh, with the offensive line in the third round. It allows you to address all of those top needs, uh, but you're not going to be able to fix everything in this year's draft but at least that's the direction you want to head in. All right, Solomon, before I let you go, it was a kind of a wild year that you were here in Minnesota in 1991. What do you remember about it? I remember it being the most talented team I've ever played on anywhere at any time. Oh, wow. We had all the famers everywhere, not just Chris Carter and Gary Zimmerman. Um, and Gary, yeah, Zim, he was an off, and Randall McDaniel and John Randall and Chris Dolman, that's five Hall of Famers right there. But we didn't even talk about Herschel Walker. We didn't talk about guys like Darren Nelson, Anthony Carter, yeah. Steve Jordan. Uh, I'm telling you, we were loaded. Joey Browner. I mean, we had, we were loaded. We beat the 49ers that year um, and, and won it easily. You know, we were 8-8, eight and eight, but we should have won so many more games. We even missed the playoffs. So while it was the most talented team I ever played on, it was probably one of the most disappointing um, outcomes to a season ever. To finish 8-8 eight and eight when we had that kind of talent, um, there, there was something wrong. <laughs> there was something really wrong. But we were much better than what that record showed. Mm, yeah, well, it really is a, a supremely talented team. And then Denny Green takes over after that and goes forward and wins a heck of a lot of football games. Well, Solomon, it has been absolutely outstanding to catch up with you on old football, which I love, and new football and, and the analytics. And I, and I love what you're doing now, working with Pro Football Focus. And you're, like you said, longtime NFL player, NFL broadcaster. You have a very cool career, and I hope we can catch up again, man. I'll bring you some more old games that I'm watching. That'd be great. Let's be sure to do it. Thanks for having me. Yep, thanks, Solomon. Solomon has a great Twitter name, Solomon Wilcots, at Solomon's Wisdom. That is fantastic. It is. Not enough uh, clever uh, Twitter names out there in the world. It's usually, like me, I just use my name. Same with you. Um, yeah. Everyone from PFF is underscore Steve, <laughs> Eric. Like, this, this is not exciting at all. Um, you know, when Solomon said something was wrong there, like, yes, what could it be? Did they change coaches the following year and perform better at football? Was that maybe the thing you're alluding to? Possibly. Uh, 91 is a great year, though, because old football. There just wasn't as much scoring, so they have a lot of great, hilarious scores in 91 for the Vikings. Against the Bears opening week, they lost 10-6. to What? Oh, there's more. There's a lot more. They beat the, 40, they beat the 49ers, as you mentioned, 17-14. They lost 26-0 against the Saints. They lost 6-13, 13-6 against Denver. This is in the real NFL. These what? games are happening. And then they had some barn burners where someone scored 20 points. Um, but they had an 18-13 to 13 loss against the Tampa Bay Bucks, 
And uh, the second to last week, 20 to 14. And then in the final week of the season, they lost to the Packers 27 7. So it, it was an incredibly low scoring uh, era in the NFL. What's crazy about that is that they were still middle of the league in scoring as a team. They still finished 13 after, after having all of those. <laughs> Just really low scores and horrendous offensive outputs. They were still 13th. Do you remember and, playing Madden when you were a kid and you'd have like 40 points a game? You're like, this is so unrealistic. Oh, yeah. And now oh, that's like the average? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was playing Madden 97 the other day. And <laughs> so I, I started replaying the Vikings 97 season and videotaping highlights. <laughs> What's, what has the quarantine done to you, Colin? Nothing. This is just the stuff I do anyway. But that's what's great is I can be like, quarantine, it's not me being weird or anything. You, this is America now. It's a tough break. I had to play Madden 64 and videotape the highlights to potentially make it into an article about replaying the 97 season. It's nuts. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I do have some observations about that, too. Is uh, One, the first N64 Madden game had some glitches to it. One is that you could run a Hail Mary every time, roll out with the quarterback, the receiver would go down the field, stop, come back to you, and be wide open. So if you just rolled out, then you would have all sorts of time, and as soon as they turned around, wide open every time. You could also throw a Hail Mary to Chris Carter, and he would catch it almost every single time if your throw was even halfway accurate. And Robert Smith is amazing on that game. Yes, I will say that. The 97 Vikings have to be the most forgotten Vikings team. They won a playoff game. Randall Cunningham came into that game, and it was hideous. It was a crazy, crazy win. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show where there was the onside kick and all sorts of stuff happened. But because 98 was so special, 97 just goes by the wayside. They were a very good team and fun to play with on Madden 97, but no one cares because everyone would want to play with Randy Moss. So that's why I was thinking about maybe I should replay the 97 season because everyone forgets about it. These are the thoughts. That I have in my brain <laughs> during quarantine, during well, and other times. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Uh, if you want to follow Solomon Wilcott's on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom, great to talk with him. His insight on Randall Cunningham is really cool. And how many people can say they picked off Randall Cunningham? Not that many. We'll be right back uh, with Julian Council. Want to catch up on what is the deal with the Carolina Panthers? They have a bunch of quarterbacks. They signed another one today. Plus. That's where Teddy Bridgewater is. So we will find out what the outlook for Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers is when we return with Julian Council. We'll be back here on Purple Daily. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include three equalizer wedges and a precision milled forged putter courtesy of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company and MLB The Show 20 on PS4. Available at theshow.com, which now includes full minor league rosters. Just download the Score North app. Register your app, and you could be a winner. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Want to use this download to let you know of something we're doing here at Score North. We want to hear from and honor high school seniors who had their careers cut short due to the coronavirus outbreak. So all you have to do is send us a video to at Score North, at S-K-O-R North, using the hashtag Minnesota Senior Night on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. Tell us your name, what sport you play, what school you play for, and what you'll miss the most. Again, follow at Score North on Twitter, at S-K-O-R North, on any social media as we share your stories. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. 
All right, now we welcome into the show. He is from WFNZ in Charlotte, Julian Council. What's going on, Julian? Um, not much, Matt. Just trying to make it through another week of global pandemic radio and just trying to take my mind off of that. And thankful for the NFL giving us the continued content, the worst optics to have guys like Ryan Tannehill making $100 million contracts while coffee shop owners and local businesses are failing. But, hey, we need the content, and obviously my heart goes out to all those people out there that are struggling throughout this process. But um, we do need a, a, a distraction, and the NFL has been a much-needed distraction for all of us. Yeah, Julian, and that's my hope is that our small jobs here um, and websites and everything else just give some entertainment for all the people who are rightfully quarantining themselves or working from home. So we're doing our best for you. I, I don't want to use the word hero for myself, Julian, but I might. Uh, <laughs> Okay, (laughs) completely kidding. Uh, Let's talk football then. Um, The Carolina Panthers have a million quarterbacks on their roster now. Which one do you want to start with? I'll give you the choice. You start with a quarterback on the Carolina Panthers roster and talk about him. Go. Well, the one I want to talk about is the one I've been talking about for a month now. The XFL Mahomes, P.J. Walker. (laughs) Yes, great choice. Undefeated, never lost Houston Roughnecks is coming to Carolina after the news today from Diana Rossini and Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. I'm excited. I've been talking about this um, for weeks on the radio, honestly, like joking, like, hey, you got this guy in Houston. He's the XFL Mahomes. He has a relationship having played at Temple with new Panthers head coach Matt Rule. It makes all the sense in the world. Let this guy come to Carolina and we win seven Super Bowls. Now, obviously winning seven Super Bowls. It is insane to believe that a guy who was playing in the XFL who couldn't get up the Colts practice squad could do. But it was more so just trying to drum up some sort of excitement as we've been sitting in this offseason of will Cam Newton come back, will he not come back. And it's cool to see that Matt Rule is going back to get his college quarterback, who is actually the best prospect that came out of the XFL. I think back to last year with the AAF, how many guys even came in that AAF that the NFL really wanted? Mm-hmm. The Panthers yeah. signed a couple of them, and none, none of the three guys they signed last year even made – the final 53-man roster. But now with this, P.J. Walker, the expectations need to be tampered, but he's at least been in NFL training camp before. He's shown that he can improve the way he played in the XFL, and he already has an understanding with the head coach, which is a greater advantage than anyone else on the roster outside of Teddy Bridgewater has when it comes to the Panthers. So do, do I now pivot to Bridgewater? Well, you can if you want, but let me comment on P.J. Walker first. I love it. I mean, I love the fact that the XFL existed and was fun, and especially if you watched any Houston Roughnecks, P.J. Walker was the reason to watch. Most of the other teams, um, not as much, uh, but when he was on TV, you're right, it was like the XFL Mahomes where he was making plays and running around and making great throws and off balance. I mean, he was really entertaining, and whether he can actually step in and compete for for the job there in Carolina is pretty questionable, but the fact that somebody goes from a star in the XFL and really shines there to go right to the NFL and have a chance at very least to be the backup quarterback there is exciting. So I'm glad that side leagues exist, and you're right, the AAF was just doomed from the very beginning, but I think the XFL is going to stick around. Now on Bridgewater, this is where Vikings fans would be very interested in how this is going to work out. For one, the Vikings play Carolina, and presumably Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback when that happens. Uh, What are the expectations there for Bridgewater? Because it seems to me now that Carolina's in a really tough division and in an odd spot with its roster where there's still some talent there, but probably not enough to compete with New Orleans or Tampa Bay. No, there's definitely not enough talent to compete with 
the Falcons either. Like the three teams in the NFC South outside of Carolina, like this is already a difficult division as is with Drew Brees as quarterback of the Saints and then having Michael Thomas, the best receiver in the game. The Buccaneers weren't great, but they swept the Panthers last year and they've been a tough out for Carolina the last couple of years, even with Jameis Winston going for a 30 for 30 last year with 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. And then in Atlanta with Matt Ryan, they went to the Super Bowl not too long ago. Julio Jones, one of the best receivers in the NFL. Matt Ryan was in MVP. So this was already one of the toughest divisions. And the Carolina Panthers used to have Cam Newton, who was an MVP in his own right, and that take his team to the Super Bowl. As far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, without a doubt, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in 2020 and likely in 2021 based off of the three-year, $63 million deal that he is going to sign eventually. They have not announced it yet, but he's going to sign that. And the first two years are $40 million, which you're guaranteed. So he's going to get the $40 million guaranteed over the first two years, which effectively makes him the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers for the next two seasons. Now, in terms of expectations for Teddy Bridgewater, he's a low turnover guy, as you know, when he was up there with the Vikings. But he's also a guy that is a great locker room dude, mm-hmm. someone who's going to be able to rally this young roster and this young locker room. The only issue is the talent around him is not comparable to the talent that he had in Minnesota or the talent that he had last year in New Orleans where he went 5-0 and as a starter. He was 5-1 and in his time in New Orleans as a starter of the Week 17 game a couple years ago where Kyle Allen, who's one of the backup quarterbacks that was re-signed for the Panthers, he made his first career start and went out there and beat a Bridgewater Saints team that was pretty much mailing it in because they already yeah. had the number one seed locked in for the playoffs. But I would expect Teddy comes in here. He has success. I think a lot of people were kind of confused in a way by the move in terms of what it signals, what the Panthers are trying to do here. Or like, are they trying to rebuild? Or are they trying to retool? Because had they not signed a quarterback like Bridgewater and they were only bringing in Walker and Kyle Allen, Will Greer, who they drafted last year in the third round, that would signal they're just going to tank for Trevor or fail for Justin Fields. Instead of Bridgewater, he's going to be in a way kind of like He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but in the way how the Dolphins were last year, where they end up winning too many games, and they're still in position to probably get to a Tungabaloa that they wanted anyway, but the Panthers won't be in a position where they're undoubtedly the number one overall pick and have a chance to draft a quarterback. So Teddy's going to be the quarterback the next few years, and I expect him to have success, especially with the built-in relationship that he had down in New Orleans with Joe Brady, who was an offensive assistant under Sean Payton before spending last year with LSU and helping them win a national championship and make Joe Burrow a uh, presumptive number one overall pick. So I expect Teddy to be good. I just don't know if Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore are enough for you offensively, especially the offensive line's been atrocious for the last five, six years when Cam Newton is the quarterback, for that team to have enough to win games in the NFC South, especially with a defense that's lost eight of 11 starters from last season. Talking with Julian Council from uh, 102.5 FM, 610 AM WFNZ in Charlotte. Um, Julian, it feels like they're playing the middle with Teddy Bridgewater. He was not one of the teams that I initially thought of because I figured that teams with really good rosters that needed a quarterback like Tampa Bay, which it was reported today that he was next on their list behind Tom Brady, or even Mm -hmm. Chicago, who it sounds like flirted with Bridgewater a little bit but wouldn't completely let go of Mitch Trubisky, Another hilarious mistake by Chicago. I, I feel like if he had gone there to Chicago, they probably have a good chance at winning the division next year, considering how far the Vikings have to go. Instead, he goes to a more rebuilding type of team. So does the expectation become for Bridgewater for 2020 to just show that he has the capability to be their franchise quarterback going forward? And then you hope in 2021 that Brady retires, that Breeze retires, maybe even Matt Ryan retires, and all the sudden you're the only one in the division with a quarterback. I mean, is that kind of the, the feeling there? 
according to an inside source of the Carolina Panthers, the hope for the organization is that Teddy Bridgewater, who's only 27 years old, yeah. is going to turn into a guy who can be what Minnesota hoped he would be when they drafted him in the first round a couple years ago. They're hoping that under Joe Brady and under his toolage and already having that built-in relationship and coming into a young locker room and being leader, that he can be the franchise quarterback. That's why they've given him $40 million guaranteed for the next two seasons. So they're going to give him two years to prove under this rebuild with an offense that's certainly far ahead of the defense right now for the Carolina Panthers prior to this upcoming draft next month that maybe he can be the guy. That's their hope. If he's not, then come 2021, after he's gotten two years to start, the Carolina Panthers will draft somebody, or at least after one year of starting. So maybe they'll go next – depending on how this goes this year looks – They'll probably end up drafting quarterback next season, and if they're going to be bad enough to have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, that's probably the way that they go. But the hope of the organization is for Teddy to be the starting quarterback, not just for the next two years, but hopefully beyond, because he still is pretty young, and he has experience playing in the playoffs with the Vikings and having been with the Saints and starting last season five games and having them 5-0. and oh. But it's really hard to know what the Carolina Panthers are going to do uh, outside of that, because right now this is not a team that's expected and set up to win very many games in 2020, and just how much patience are they going to have for Teddy Bridgewater? Right, and and maybe the best-case scenario is that Bridgewater does what he did in 2014 for the Vikings, where he just slightly overachieved, that he showed a little bit more than that team actually had that year, and then they built up a lot uh, better in 2015, and then, of course, if he had continued to be on the team, we will always wonder what would have happened if Teddy stayed in Minnesota and didn't hurt his knee. Uh, now, on to another quarter quarterback cam newton where's he going who's he playing for what do you think i mean i I think if you're the los angeles chargers what is your excuse for not acquiring cam newton uh none other than maybe you're trying to sandbag anthony lynn and have him fired like i don't really understand why they wouldn't uh bring in cam newton or a better quarterback like tyrod taylor he took buffalo to the playoffs after what 19 years buffalo had been to the playoffs so you can't take that away from him he was he was fantastic in getting the Bills to that point, but he's still just kind of like, in a way, like a, a Teddy Bridgewater light, which yeah. I don't know if that's the best way to describe him, but Tyrod can start in this league. You just need to have all the pieces around him to have a chance to win games. And he, I don't even think he elevates a roster as much as Teddy can when he was in Minnesota and last year with the Saints. Um, that's why I would think Cam Newton would make a ton of sense there, uh, especially with L.A. Now they're trying to move to the new stadium, now with the whole – coronavirus global pandemic thing they're probably at the seas for operations and they might get stuck playing in the soccer stadium again next year and also i don't really have the belief that even when they move to the new sofi stadium that people are going to go watch chargers games because the chargers are the fourth football team in la there's usc there's the rams there's ucla and then way down here are the la chargers that should still be in san diego my best fit for cam newton would be new england Bill Belichick has always had a, a love from afar for Cam Newton, has really admired what he could do, and he might not necessarily fit what they've done over the last 20 years with Tom Brady, obviously, but he's still an MVP quarterback. He's still a guy that can win you games, and I think Bill Belichick's a smart enough coach, as we've seen, um, demonstrated by the six Super Bowls, by the way, that, and also winning one with the Giants as a defensive coordinator, that the dude can definitely coach some football, and that Cam could fit into there. And selfishly, as a Panthers, not even selfishly, as a Panthers fan who's watched what the organization did to him last week in announcing that he could seek a trade and then that same day announcing their plans to sign Teddy Bridgewater, which just did not sit right with a lot of fans and a lot of people who have seen what Camden's done over the last nine years to galvanize his fan base and change the organization to make the organization relevant. Because growing up here, 
people like the Panthers, but people didn't like the Panthers the way that they did until Cam Newton came here in 2011. He changed everything mm-hmm. about this organization and this region. So the way that they treated him, and he's not even out the door yet, I would love for him to go to New England and win a Super Bowl because it would piss off a lot of people, especially the organization, if they watch Cam Newton walk out the door and go win a Super Bowl in New England once again. If you're suggesting that Chris Winkie didn't galvanize a fan base, I mean, I just can't <laughs> buy into that. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually a, a good idea for him to go to New England. I mean, it's low risk for them because of his contract. So if he is injured again and it just goes downhill, it works out in a way because they might be able to draft Fields or Lawrence if it completely blows up or be in a position to trade up for a quarterback or something uh, to go Well, they through. don't even have to, Matthew, here's the thing, they don't even have to trade for Cam, because at this point, yeah, Panthers don't have any him, leverage. Right? Yeah. yeah, they're going to have to release him. So he was going to make 19 or $21 million this year, and if they when they cut or release him, whatever, well, it's the same thing. If they were to trade or release him, they would be saving $19 million. So New England could pay him peanuts. They could pay him whatever they want. They don't have to even pay him that kind of starting quarterback money. And Cam might take it and just be like, fine, whatever, I'm going to show you what I can do, and I mean, that could be a good situation for them. It would be funny because everyone in the AFC East is celebrating. Oh, yeah, Jets fans. Now Sam Darnold's going to take us to the playoffs. Bills, we got Stephon Diggs. We're going to do it. And then here comes Cam Newton to go 13-3 and three or something. And the Patriots still do have a great defense and maybe have the best defense other than San Francisco in the entire league last year. Uh, before I let you go, Julian, I want you to tell me just what your favorite offseason move so far has been. I mean, it's been really wild. A lot, I mean, Tom Brady changed locations alone is enough to say that this has been an incredibly memorable offseason. But is there a move that you look at and say, you know, actually that was a sneaky good one, or or I, I, I can't wait to see what that player looks like there? Um, I really love the Tom Brady move. Honestly, I have two. Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, nowhere, no one here in Charlotte loves the, the box. Also, people really don't care because the Bucks have been irrelevant since the Warren Sapp days. Last time they won a Super Bowl, Tony <laughs> right. Dungy, you know, and then obviously John Gruden there as the head coach. So I'm just interested to see how that works out. He has great weapons. Chris Godwin, Cameron Braid at tight end, OJ Howard, of course, Mike Evans, one of the top receivers in the league. And then working with Bruce Arians and Brian Leftwich, the, the OC. I'm really excited to see what Tampa Bay looks this year. And also just to see the Bucks in prime time and the whole storyline that you guys were privy to a couple of years ago where you were one game away from playing in the Super Bowl and hosting the Super Bowl. So I really want to see if Tom Brady, the GOAT, can go there and find a way to take Tampa to the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and potentially win that. And if he does that, man, that's just legendary status. I was also interested by the Vikings' decision to give Kirk Cousins a two-year extension, um, which was interesting because I know you got a lame duck uh, GM and Rick Spielman and head coach and um, – Oh my God, names is escaping me right now. I'm not Please helping. Help I'm not helping you. <laughs> nope, just gonna leave you there. <laughs> now I'm like furiously, like feverishly trying to. Oh my Mike God, Zimmer. Mike, Mike Zimmer. Yes, yeah. Mike Zimmer and Spielman are both like lame ducks, and yet Kirk Cousins getting two more years. So I'm interested to see how that's gonna play out um, this season, where Kirk finally won a playoff game last year, and then they were outmatched in the divisional round and in San Francisco and now Stefan Diggs is gone. So I'm really interested to see what the Vikings are going to do this year and with Kirk Cousins. And I guess the expectations are still, Hey, I mean, you got all that guaranteed money. You'd need to get to a Super Bowl and well, hopefully win one. But I don't know if that's ever going to be the case. I'm sure you probably might feel the same. Well, we're going to find out just how strong of a roster he has because right now the Vikings are missing about half of a 
53 man. So <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. And they don't have a whole lot of cap space to work with. Uh, so the expectations for 2020 seem to be shifting already, but you make a great point about extending a quarterback who has not gotten you there. And then with uh, the general manager and head coach feeling a lot of pressure, which is definitely the case here. Uh, Julian, always great to catch up with you, man. Great stuff. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Julian Council. Um, a great. Uh, guy to get perspective for the Carolina Panthers and Hornets if they ever come back we'll get your Hornets yeah. angles just for the help. yeah in Minnesota uh, and also Minneapolis St. Paul I'm sorry that you don't have hockey right now I can't imagine what that feels right now for not you great Julian not great <laughs> although you know the wild but so what are you gonna do <laughs> all right Julian thanks for your time buddy all right thanks Matthew all right so as we wrap up the show here final couple of minutes I was trying to think this morning, all right, well, what do we want to do here? We got Solomon, we got Julian, so what will be at the end? Maybe we'll get some sort of big move that we can all be talking about, and then we'll roll with that. But the NFL has been pretty quiet today. Washington cut a guy I've never heard of. Uh, Kyle Allen got traded from the Panthers to Washington. The Patriots cut their kicker, Stephen Goskowski, and the Rams released a really bad logo. I don't have opinions on any of these except for sonic the hedgehog is now the logo of the los angeles rams and congratulations to them and it is exciting that the nfl's or i'm sorry the xfl's top player is now in the nfl but uh i can tell you that what the football world needed was a blazing hot take and <laughs> we have found the blazingest of all the blazing takes now, can you explain where this is from? This is former NFL player Brady Papinga. I think that's how it's pronounced. And where yeah. is this from? So this is from ESPN 960 in Utah. Okay. And they have a couple of former BYU Cougars on the station. Makes sense. And Brady, I believe, is one of them. This is on the Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle podcast. So this is from that. I mean, it's going to happen probably this year where he's going to you know, be transitioned to being the starter. And, uh, you know, they're going to run an offense with, you know, you know, Sean Payton, his approach, but with a lot of what you're seeing out of Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. And I literally look at Lamar Jackson as he's the poor man's Taysom Hill. It's not the other way around. That's, that's what we got with Taysom. And that's, that's why the, that's why the Saints are not messing around with the guy. I'm telling you right now. And he eventually will get taken care of. Right now, as a restricted free agent, they're not feeling stressed. Or pressure to have to do a long-term deal with him, as although they're trying to work out a long-term deal with him, they don't want they don't want him hitting unrestricted free agency. Lamar Jackson is the poor man's Taysom Hill. Just uh, take a second with that one. <laughs> Lamar Jackson <laughs> is the poor man's Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is seven years older than Lamar Jackson and has never played really outside of being a tight end, a special teamer, and someone who seems to always beat the Vikings with his one long throw per season. Lamar Jackson has been in the league for two years. He took his team to the playoffs as a rookie and then won MVP. (laughs) If If Lamar Jackson was the poor man's somebody, whoever that person would be, would be so far above everyone else in the NFL, they would have to just stop playing football because one person dominated by so much that they would win every single year. Yeah. Um, but I, I was thinking like, what is the comparison of saying that, 
you know, uh, Michael Jordan is a poor man's Greg Ostertag. Just like, <laughs> what is what is the comparison here? But I thought for the last four minutes of the show, Jonathan, we should try to top Brady Papinga's hot take. Okay, like how could you possibly make a take hotter than Taysom Hill, who isn't even a quarterback, is a better ver- or, yeah a better version of what Lamar Jackson is? Can you do hotter than that? Wayne Gretzky is a poor man's Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I mean, so go with go with like go with like football and just like a regular take. Like don't don't make it Brady Papinga's yeah. ridiculous take. <laughs> just go with like a regular take that is somehow hotter than what he said. That yeah. is the challenge. We could call it the Papinga challenge. Can you make a hotter take than that? Now Kevin Fiala is the next Wayne Gretzky. Might be in yeah. that ballpark. Okay, um, how about Mitch Trubisky wins MVP is a hotter take. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's not. Because quarterbacks have suddenly surprised us and become great after being bad for a little while. How about Laquan Treadwell will be a better wide receiver this year than Julio Jones in the same offense? Okay, yeah, now you're in the range. Now you're in the the Papinga range. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the new that's the new name yeah, for it. The that he will range. that he will have more catches than Julio Jones if both are healthy in yeah. Atlanta this year. You are getting into the Papinga range. Uh, Rami yes. texts Jerry Rice is a poor man's Laquan Treadwell. That that's how. Yeah. that's the ballpark. That's the Papinga range. Um, I will say. <sighs> <laughs> Jameis Winston will perform better with his team this year than Tom Brady will perform with Jameis Winston's old team. Hmm. You know, it's almost possible. So that isn't in the Papinga range. If <laughs> Jameis Winston signed with some other team and Brady got hurt, like that's plausible. In any world, the Taysom Hill is better than Lamar Jackson, <laughs> to much less be called like the rich man's version. It's mind boggling. How Why about would you say that? Um, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm really struggling. Like, you could do it. Yes, Rami's sending me a bunch of them. Mike Trout is the poor man's JK. You could do it in that in that form and come up with a bunch of ridiculous ones. I'm trying to come up with, a, a like, a... How about Philip Rivers will top any season Peyton Manning ever had in Indianapolis? <laughs> I think that's close. Yeah, because it's not going to happen. That's, that's entering the... Papinga zone. <laughs> Papinga zone. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a tough time with this one. How about um, so carry on Johnson will make everyone forget about Barry Sanders in Detroit. <laughs> that works, I think. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Trent Dilfer was a better Tampa Bay Buck than Tom Brady will be. <laughs> I don't know. Who's the? What happens to your brain when you say something like that? Like, is it just short circuit and he said it backwards? David Johnson will be a better running back for the Texans than Arian Foster ever was. Not hot enough. No. Got to up at a level. Yes. <laughs> You'd have to say then like Walter Payton was to the <laughs> Bears. That's what that is what David Johnson will be to the Texans is what Walter Payton was to the Bears. <laughs> That's the only way to do that because it's otherwise it's not hot enough. Yeah. I mean Arian Foster was good, but you could see David Johnson having a couple of great seasons, right? I mean he's a running right. back. Anybody could do it. Oh, Drew Locke will be better than Elway. There you go. 
It can be done. You can you're not it putting Super Bowls on it because beating two is plausible. Yeah, sure. That's the Papinga range. Uh, I would love people to do this, by the way. Something that we're going to start, and I don't know when, but you could start right away, is if you are quarantined, so you're at home, you're working from home, whatever, mm-hmm. take your phone, take a video of yourself giving a hot take. If you could beat Brady Papinga, that'd be great. But if not, just give a take. Just give a sports take. Send it to Score North, and we'll retweet it. If it's really good, we'll play it on the air. Like, just find a way to entertain yourself. Send us sports takes. I think that's a good idea. That is the most amazing opinion I've ever heard. Lamar Jackson is a poor man's version of Taysom Hill. What a great way to end the show. (laughs) Randy Moss is a poor man's Troy Williamson comes in. That is a good one. All right. solid. We'll catch you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. Lots going on tomorrow. Seth Wickersham, who I'm going to have to practice his name, but the guy who wrote the big piece on Brady and Belichick joins us tomorrow. On to Mackie and General Drowney. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.